If you would uh, turn in your Bibles to the book of Psalm, Psalm chapter 19. We're only going to be uh, focused on the first um, six verses of it this morning, and then we'll continue <clears throat> excuse me, studying it next week again, actually for the next couple of weeks. Psalm 19. To the choir master, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaim His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. It's rising from the ends of the heavens, and its circuit to the ends of, to the ends of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. I remember one time going on a vacation with the family, and we were in uh, Texas somewhere, not even sure what town, but um, while we were there, we went to uh, one of the, those children museums, which was really neat. Um, kids were right at that age, so they, they got a lot out of it. And I remember while we were there, um, entry into the museum also gave us entry into one of those Omni theaters, if you've ever been in one of those. And those are really interesting too. I don't know if you've, if you've been in one, but <clears throat> you go in and, and you find your seat and it, it, it kind of reclines a little bit. And, and the theater is kind of all around you. It's, it's like in a rounded dome. And on that particular uh, week, it was about flying. And so I remember uh, we started way up in the clouds. You were some kind of a plane and you started to work your way down, and pretty soon you're going through the woods, you're, you're, you're going over mountains, you're going over herds of antelope, you're, you were flying everywhere. I mean, it was just beautiful. And I remember at one point, especially, the, 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 I don't know if it was a drone or a plane, but it, it went over this, this field of wildflowers, and, and you wouldn't believe all the color in those fields. Of, of, of the different flowers and, and the birds that sprang up, again, all different colors, and the butterflies that, that started to fly up, again, all these amazing colors. And I remember hearing in that auditorium a lot of oohs and ahs as, as they saw that beauty, as they saw all that color. Afterwards, though, um, in order to get out of the theater, you had to exit into this courtyard. And I stood there for a while because I was waiting for my kids and, and just happened to be listening to what people were saying as they were coming out the door. And I was actually kind of surprised because this courtyard that we, we ended up walking into, it was incredible. There was flowers everywhere. There was statues. Um, 
There, there was butterflies, there, there was birds, there, there was these big shade trees, flowering trees, flowering bushes. I mean, it, somebody spent a lot of time, and it was just beautiful. And yet, as people went into that courtyard and saw that beauty that was right there in front of them, no one said a word. No one said, ooh, no one said, ah, no one says, wow, that's kind of pretty. They just grabbed their family and they went about their day. You know, I wonder, do you think we ever do the same thing? Everyday creation is speaking to us, but it's so easy to miss it. It's so easy to take creation around us for granted. When a storm comes, do you ever stand there watching it? Watching the thunder heads roll in? Watch the lightning and hear that thunder? Or or when was the last time you watched a sunrise or a sunset? For those down here on the flats, we can see the sun a lot. You poor people up on the hill, I know you can't see the sun very much, but... No, but... Sunsets... And sunrises, they, they, they truly are beautiful, aren't they? And everyone is unique, depending on where the clouds are and exactly what, what is going on. Or maybe just sitting by a lake and listening to a loon and, and, and that call over the lake. Or to hear the birds overhead or to hear the, the bees humming in your ears as they're, they're, they're looking for uh, nectar as they're looking for honey. I think sometimes we have to work at turning off the noise of this world so that we can listen to creation. So that we can listen to creation's song. I think we miss out sometimes because we forget that there is a ministry that's connected to creation. And the poor person that doesn't take advantage of that ministry, I, I, I think they suffer for it. I know for myself, you know, I love the quietness of sitting in a boat. On a quiet morning, the birds are singing, the, 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 the water is like glass. And sometimes you just sit back and as the sun is beginning to rise, it's like, wow, Lord, you're incredible. Everywhere you look, you just see this glory. You just see this beauty that, that, that's a reflection of the greatness of, of our God. And sometimes it's hard to actually find words, I think, to describe it. But for those who do, boy, it's worth the drink. That, that drink of beauty, it seems to just revive you and, and refresh you. Our psalm this morning, we're going to be talking about the glory of God. And uh, we're going to actually do this for a couple of weeks. And, and there's so much here that I think is, is worth mentioning and, and talking about. This psalm, it was uh, originally written to the choir master, a psalm of David. That tells us that this psalm was sung in the temple, um, in temple worship. So the, the, the people would have been familiar with it. 
I think Psalm 19 is a, a, a great example of Hebrew uh, poetry. Poetry that's been put to music. And then again, like I said, used in, in the temple. C.S. Lewis described this psalm as one of the greatest pieces of poetry in the Bible. And you wonder why, why Lewis thought that. Why, why this psalm above other psalms? And, and I think it's because this psalm addresses one of the most significant and, and important themes that runs through the Bible. And again, it's the glory of God. The glory of God being revealed to us all around us. How does verse 1 begin again? The heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim His handiwork. Whose glory does the heavens proclaim? Not ours, but God's. That's the purpose for everything. That's the reason why we exist. It's for the glory of God. Why are we here? Why did the Lord put us on this planet for His glory, for the glory of God. As you read the opening verses of this psalm, I think it's clear that David has a deep love and appreciation for creation. And he's trying to answer that, that question, how can we know God? And as he thinks about that, as he reflects on it, I think the first thing that comes to mind is just the creation that would have been all around him. It's beauty. From the smallest little bug to some giant animal, to a giant tree, to a little flower, it points to a creator. We're going to be looking at not only what creation says about the glory of God, but in, in the weeks to come, we're also going to be looking at what Scripture says. Because in itself, creation isn't enough because of sin. And so we, needed that, we need that added witness that we find in, in, in God's Word that clearly points us to Jesus. But before we, we talk about the psalm, let me, let me mention a few things in general, about the glory of God. Simply defined, glory is putting something or someone on display in order to reveal or reflect their character, reputation, and their ability. It's like watching the playoffs. Let's just use football as an example. You're, 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 you're watching the Packers win just another game. You know, it gets, I know it gets so old, it gets so tiring, but, you know, the Packers win another game, and what do they do after they win that game? The players all jump up and down, and, and they hug each other, and they're slapping each other on the helmet, and they're even slapping each other on the butt, which I never figured that one out, but what, we won't even go there. You know, but they're excited. They're happy. And then if you get a team like, say, the Green Bay Packers, who end up winning the Super Bowl, what do they do with that, that trophy? What do all the players do with it? They start kissing it, don't they? Another thing I never figured out, and 
I really don't want to do. Kiss that trophy after everyone else has been kissing it. What are we, what are we witnessing at times like that? What are we witnessing? We're, we're, we're witnessing how these players are being held up for their excellence. They're being held up really for their glory because of what they accomplished, because of what they were able, they were able to do. Let me also give you an example of this from Scripture. Remember the Queen of Sheba? We're told in 1 Kings that she had heard about Solomon's fame. And so she goes to Jerusalem because she wants to see it for herself. And she wants to ask Solomon all these different questions. 1 Kings 10.4 says this, and when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. There was no more breath in her. What, what, what is being communicated to us there? I think the, fact, the idea that she was speechless. She was so astounded by Solomon, by his wisdom, how he answered questions, by everything that was in his palace, that she was without words. Then in verse 6, she says this to the king, The report was true that I heard in my, my own land of your words and of your wisdom. But I did not believe the reports until I came, and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report that I heard. Queen of Sheba, she was blown away by what she had seen. Blown away, she was speechless. What had she seen? She saw Solomon's glory, his wisdom his wealth, his power, his reputation. She saw his glory. And that's what glory is. It's someone's excellence put on display. That's what David is calling us to see as we look to the heavens. He wants us to see and glimpse the glory of God. The glory that we see through creation. To reflect God's glory. This is why we were created. To respond to God's glory. That's why we're here. That's our purpose. This should be the life goal of everyone who's a child of God. Listen to how Jeremiah puts this. Jeremiah 9.23. He puts it like this. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love and justice and righteousness in, in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. 
So according to this passage, what is God's greatest delight? Himself. Who He is in Himself. There's nothing greater than God's love. There's nothing greater than God's loving kindness. There's nothing greater than God's mercy. There's nothing greater than God's righteousness. There's nothing greater than God. And as image bearers of God, we need to discover and understand what this is so that we can, in turn, reflect it through our lives. So let's look quickly at at what creation proclaims to us. First, creation points to a Creator. Literally, the heavens declare or show us the vastness, the splendor, the order, the majesty of the hand of God. Listen how Paul puts this. It was up on the screen before with Nate, but for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have, have been made so that we are without excuse. David says the sky above it proclaims God's handiwork. This implies a this implies a very intentional revelation of God to us as people. Erwin Lutzer, he writes this, In creation, God went public. It's as if David sees the, the heavens as a, a preacher standing behind a pulpit announcing the glory or weightiness of God. The Hebrew word David uses for God here, the, the, the name he uses, it, 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 it's that word for creator. That God is our creator who made all things. And from the telescope or the microscope, all of nature, it shouts to this. It it, it shouts to the fact that there is a Creator, that there is a God who created all things. We normally call this natural or, or general revelation. And it reveals to us God's creative power and greatness. Whether it's a beauty of a, a sunset, a beauty of a, a, of, of a beach, a, of a mountain range, of flowers in a field, it, it doesn't matter what it is. Maybe it's a, just a snowflake falling, hearing the laughter of a child. But it all points to the glory of God. Second, God declares His eternalness through His creation. God declares His eternalness through His creation. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Since God made the universe, that means there was never a time when... there was a. a since God created the, the, the universe, then there's a time when it was just God. Only God existed. And, and, and that was enough. God's presence filled the heavens. It filled the earth. It filled the emptiness of space. For us, it's hard to wrap our minds around something like that. 
Because we think of in terms of things having started and things having ended, but that's not so with God. He always was. He always was here. Psalm 90, verse 2 says, Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Third, creation reveals God's incomparable wisdom. Creation reveals God's incomparable wisdom. Verse 2 says, Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. Listen as one author tries to describe God's wisdom in creation. And I'm just going to read a portion of it. 93 million miles from the blistering surface of the sun hangs the planet Earth, a rotating sphere perfectly suspended in the center of the universe. The ultimate creation from an infinite mind, an unbelievable, intricate, complex design, a supernatural testimony, an irrefutable sign that there is a God. The size, position, and angle of the earth is a scientific phenomenon. If it were a few degrees closer to the sun, we'd disintegrate. A few degrees further away, we would freeze. The axis of the earth is tilted at a perfect 23 degrees angle. Exactly, 23 degrees angle. And there's no, and it's no mistake that it is. This allows equal global distribution of the sun's rays, making it possible for the food chain to exist. Or take example the combination of nitrogen and oxygen in the atmosphere that we breathe every day. It just happens to be the exact mix that life needs to prosper. It doesn't happen on any other planet that way. Did you know that the moon controls the tides? And as the waves crash into it, it's, they're like the housekeepers of the ocean, sweeping all the dirt and, and the pollutants out, out to sea so that, the, so that the sand, the seashore, stays fresh. Over and over and over again, as you look at creation, you can't help but see a designer, someone who is behind it all. Someone who is orchestrating everything to its appointed end. Our God, He planned. Our God also performs miracles. Our God does all these things. All these things. Because our God is so great and so mighty. And He wants us to reflect that glory. But before we can reflect it through our lives, we first have to see it. And so we have to have our eyes opened. And so we need the ministry of the sky. We need the ministry of creation around us to point our eyes back to God. To remind us what a mighty God we serve. Third, creation reveals God's incomparable wisdom. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, 
They display knowledge. That statement, it's so simple. But that's the wisdom of our God. And everything works as it's supposed to. Nothing's happening by chance. Psalm 104.24 says this, How many are your works, O Lord, and wisdom you make them all. Because life is linked. Everything is connected. I think that's one of the reasons why, for just myself anyways, whenever I go fishing, I normally don't like to take a radio along. Because there's something about being out in God's creation and allowing the sounds of nature minister to you. The birds, the wind, the water hitting the boat. Even the sound of, of, of a fish on, on your line. It, it's a reminder to us of what a mighty God we serve. And hopefully it, it, it draws our attention again, heavenward. But when, you're so, when, when, when you turn the radio on, when, when your lives are so full of so, much, so many different things, it's so easy to miss it. You go from your house into your car and zoom away you go, or you come back and you go right back into your house, and all the while the heavens are declaring the glory of God, but yet we don't take the time to look, to glimpse at it. We don't say those words, ah, wow, on some beautiful, some beautiful morning. Scripture clearly teaches that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Or listen to this, Isaiah 40, verse 26. Lift up your eyes. And look up to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and strength, not one of them is missing. Our God knows every star by name. Try to wrap your mind around that one. Or Genesis one twenty six, God says, let us make man in our image. This sounds like a God who's far off and doesn't really care about us, kind of an impersonal God. No, it's the exact opposite. It's a God who cares very much about us, about everything that's going on in our lives. He knows our needs better than we do. And again, that's what creation is reminding us. That just as God cares and and, and takes care of everything around us, how much more is He going to take care of us? His image bearers. Or Psalm 139, David says to God, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's wisdom. That's the wisdom of God. And He knows what He's doing. Even though sometimes it's hard for us to accept Fourth, creation reveals God's incomparable power. The end of verse 4, David says, 
God placed the sun in its place, hiding it at night as if it went into a tent and causing it to reappear the next morning. The sun, which is a a ball of gas, chiefly hydrogen, burning itself up in a vast nuclear reaction, which scientists say has enough energy to last six billion more years. It's nothing in comparison to its creator. In God's hands, it's like a marble. All that power that we see represented in the sun, it's nothing to God. Because that's how powerful He is. That's how mighty. And it's with that power and that might that He watches over us and controls us and and guides us and leads us and, and blesses us. When we speak of all of God's attributes and characteristics together, more than just the few that I mentioned, there, there, there's so many we could, we could look at it. We're talking about the, what we're referring to is the glory of God. The glory of God that's, that's all around us. This is the ministry that creation can have on our souls for those whose eyes have been opened. See, your, your, your eyes first have to be opened to be able to see. But once you can see, then you've got to slow down enough to keep seeing because after a while, you start to take it for granted. Despite the beauty, you don't see it because you're just so busy doing so many different things, maybe even doing things for the Lord. But our first priority needs to be our walk with the Lord. And what a wonderful way to draw us into God's presence. But to go out and, and have devotions outdoors on some beautiful morning and just drink in creation and let it draw your eyes upward to the mighty God we serve. You know, every once in a while I see a, a, a new picture from the Hubble Space Telescope that glimpsed a, a star way off somewhere that, that's never been seen before. And, and when you see that picture, it's, it's incredible, it's beautiful, it, it, it doesn't even seem real. Why did God create that star? Why did God create that planet? For His glory. Do you know that there's things underneath the ocean, down in the deepest trenches, that we barely have any idea of what it is and what it does. There's things down in, the, in those, the depths of the ocean that, that we can't even begin to explain. They're, they're so unique. They're so wonderful. They're so beautiful. No eyes have seen them. Why did God create those things? For His glory. Why did God create us? For His glory. To be able to appreciate His glory, but also to be able to reflect that glory in the world around us.
And when we see this, when we discover these things, I hope it, it, it just fills you with this, this awe for God. Giving you a desire to worship Him. You know, a while back I, I saw this article about this weird little spider, a Europe, European water spider. Apparently what this little guy does is um, he lives his life mostly underwater. And, and so he traps air. He does a, a somersault and, and, and cra- grabs this little drop of air. And then he goes all the way down to the bottom and he starts making a nest in, in this web that he put. He must do that thousands of times. But each trip he takes, more air goes down there, more air goes down there, until he's got a bubble big enough that he can live in. Who would ever thought of something like that? Of creating something like that? A water bug that spends all its time under the water, but needing air. I mean, our God did. And it's a reflection of His glory. It's a reflection of who He is. And for those who have the eyes to see, the world is before us. Glory of God, it's not just words to speak, but it's also something to experience. And so since we're going to be talking about this, this psalm for some weeks yet, I, I, I've got a couple bits of homework you, you all need to take care of before next week. First, read this psalm. And, and maybe read it a couple times. Read the psalm and just let God speak to you. Let it minister to your heart, to your soul. But now here's the tough one. Everyone's just paying attention, right? Because this is homework. Okay. And it's funny that, that Nate actually said this before, but this week, I'm encouraging all of you to stop and smell the roses or the flowers. Stop and smell the flowers. Or if you're, you're not into flowers, if you're seeing this uh, uh, amazing spider make this, this web right off your house, Don't just take a broom and sweep it down, but stand there and watch it. Watch how amazing it is that that spider knows how far and how far apart to have each web and round and round he goes. I mean, look at it and marvel at it. Or maybe see something come out of its cocoon. Or some tadpoles being born. Or flowers suddenly appearing where there was nothing before. The point is though, you got to slow down. If you're going to see those things, if you want to see the glory of God and creation around us, then that means you've got to slow down and open your eyes. And for those who are willing to do that, you're going to be all the richer for it. It will remind you of what an awesome God we serve. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we do thank you for your creation. It's beauty. 
its splendor all around us. Lord, we see it every day and sometimes we don't think much about it. But Lord, we just pray that You might open our eyes so that we might see Your glory being reflected all around us. Father, may we see it in the smallest bug and in the, in the largest uh, storm. Whatever it might be, Lord, may it draw our eyes to You and remind us what a mighty God we serve. Father, we also realize that You've called us to reflect Your glory. And so, Lord, we pray that wherever we go, we pray that people will, will see Your presence in us. And they might be drawn to a relationship with Jesus. Lord, as we go into this day, the remainder of this day, we just pray that it might truly be a day of rest for each of us, helping us refocus our eyes on You. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. How great Thou art. Let's stand and we're going to sing the first uh, three. We'll have the blessing and then we'll sing the last.